0: Praise God. Amen. Well, welcome. Amen. It's time we get to break and open up the word of the Lord uh, just for a few more uh, moments and minutes. And uh, This week I was meditating on this word. Uh, it says the Son of Man didn't come to destroy men's lives. Let's keep listening to that. The Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives. So we can conclude that Jesus didn't come to destroy our lives. So if your life is being destroyed, it's not from Jesus, okay? He said, I came that you may have life and have life more abundantly. That's Jesus. And he also said, the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. So there's an enemy that's trying to destroy your life. But Jesus, I came not to destroy men's life, but that men may come and repent and they may enjoy abundance that I bring to them. It also says to the Apostle Paul, leading up the Holy Ghost, he says, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Don't destroy your temple. So things that you and I can do destroy our temple. That's not Jesus. That's us making our own decisions to destroy our temple. So let's make a declaration that we are not going to destroy ourselves, especially when Jesus didn't come to destroy our lives. That makes sense? If Jesus, who's the, who's the creator of the Son living God, didn't come to destroy our lives, why in the world would I then destroy my own life? doesn't make any sense, okay? It's because the enemy has blinded us to not know the value and, and, and how much God loves us. And so with that being said, um, I want to take a look at God and his goodness and really just break down for you as we uh, not conclude this message on living water, but as we launch with our final message in this month uh, on, this, uh, on this topic. Um, I work at the Y., and the month of May is Water Safety Month. That's what May is, it's Water Safety Month. And as the why, one of our pillars is youth development. And we believe it's important that every child knows how to swim. If you live in America, you're gonna be around a body of water somewhere. And so I think it's just wise that you, know, you learn to swim. And uh, so what we did for the month of May is we gave out goggles for everyone who decided to become members. They got a pair of youth goggles, you know, to reflect the whole safety thing. And I looked at that, and I'm like, okay, Lord, I must be onto to something because um, it's Water Safety Month. <laughs> Amen. And so um, as I was thinking about the message and the whole month, I realized that the importance of water uh, in our life. And, and, and for review, we, we looked at that your body is made up of so much water. It's probably about 60 or 70% of your body is water. And so water becomes a lubricant for your brain, it helps the joints, and, and you can run out of food and be okay, but water is a very important nutrient, or it's a very important source that your body needs, okay? And so that's physically, and so we want to be able to parallel that with our spirit as well, right? So here's what we want to look at. We want to look at God's rivers and resources, God's river and resources. Um, I also felt led to share this with you as well, that... Um, how to receive when I'm, when I'm preaching or when I'm communicating is, is, is this. Let me give you the secret of how to receive when I'm communicating or when I'm speaking the word of the Lord. And uh, for those who are watching this, um, you know, online, I want them to understand this as well. In Bible college, there is a study you take, and it's called uh, hermeneutics. Sorry, that's a study of scripture. Homiletics. It's how do you preach the gospel. So there's a school. We can actually teach you how to preach. Can you believe that? It's a school. It's a class you take. And it's homiletics, and so it gives you the art of communicating the gospel. And so from what I'm aware of, there is three. There is you can preach uh, textual sermon, which means you find a text, and you stay on that text for the 30, 40, 50, 60, however long you preach. You just preach that one text. There is also the second type is expository preaching. And expository preaching is where you take more than one text. You may take three or four scriptures, verses in the Bible, and you preach on those, you know, three or four scriptures, and you exposit, you, you're expositing those, those verses, you're sharing those things, okay? And we have a lot of preachers, if you listen to them on the radio, that they preach that way. Uh, John Piper is one of those, he's an expository preacher, uh, phenomenal. Um, I go to him when I want solid teaching. I, I go to him, and, and, and I get that. But there's a third type, and it's called topical, and so you get a topic and you preach on that particular topic. So that's the three ways that, you know, you can communicate. God has anointed and has gifted me to preach, for the most part, topically. He'll give me a theme, he'll give me a word, and I'll preach on that. And as a result of that, I typically just give you an overview of what I've been sharing with. It's for you now to dive deeper into those texts and extract, like the Berean church, and you need to extract from the texts I've given you, and you need to pull from that so then you can grow on that. Amen? Because I can stay on this for a whole year, this message. And so I'm just giving you a little bit like that. And so that's how I typically minister, is, is God gives me a theme, He gives me a topic, and I go ahead and, and I share that. And so I told you that, I think in April, He's just shared the word, He says, water. And I knew God wanted me to speak on water, and, and this is our final, like I mentioned earlier, our final message in this particular series. Okay? The reason why I share that, the reason why I, I want you to get that it's because I don't want you to miss what God is saying to you because of the way that I'm communicating. I want you to understand how God downloads to me so you can receive it. Because this message is, is vital for you to understand what God wants to do in your lives. And so I need for you to receive this because God has an assignment for your life. I mean, you've got to believe that. He has an assignment for your life. He doesn't want to destroy your life because your life has purpose. Your life has meaning. And you must understand that because even though it will mess with your salvation, it will mess with your influence. And so because God has secured us in our position in him, we tend to think that that's the end of the story. But God actually wants to use you and I to change this world, to go back to his original design. Just think about that for a second. Everyone in the back, think about that. That God actually wants us to be willing vessels that he will put his spirit in, and we're going to get more into that, to change the world. So any believer and every believer must understand my life has meaning and purpose. And when the enemy talks to you and tries to tell you your life has no meaning, you've got to tell the enemy, be quiet. You're lying. My life has purpose. The moment I came through the womb and I entered into this earth realm, God has designed my life to fulfill his purpose. Right? And and so that's important that we we, we take a look at that. Okay? And so we want to be able to now live what I call in the overflow. I was talking... I believe it was to Richard and Megan or somebody. And as they were practicing, as I prayed for them and said, God, um, let there be harmony. So my prayer for the worship team is, God, let there be harmony. Not that the notes need to be connected. They do for excellence. But let their hearts be in harmony with heaven. Because as long as their heart is in harmony with heaven, they'll come together in harmony. Then the note will be a note of excellence. Right? Now, you can be a professional band, and it's the opposite. You know what I mean? Don't do all those things. But, but when it comes to this, I said, let there be a harmony. Let there be a coming together um, so that, God, you are, 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 are being glorified and you're being exalted and your name is, is, is being declared over the entire world, right? And, and so that, that is, is very important, really important. And so as we now look at, at God's riches, uh, God's rivers, excuse me, and resources, um, there's something about me that, that I thoroughly enjoy. And so this week I was like, God, where, where does Marion get its, its water supply from? I was Googling that. Where does it come from? Okay. And I was looking and I was searching and, and some interesting revelation came about this or Marion County and, and even, you know, a, a, a Marion City. And so before I, I share with you where you get your water from, and you may be aware of that, um, Nestle um, is, is a company, um, and they, they produce bottled water, okay? This is what, what they produce. And um, recently, um, they were told by the Hood River County in Oregon that they're going to ban them from, from bottling water, um, But because they're saying this, listen to what they're saying this. It says there are two concerns we have about a company taking water from our natural resources. It says this, that the spring and stream flows will be reduced as a result, along with other environmental damage, and that water is a public resource That shouldn't be privatized. So they're saying, Nestle Water Company, you can no longer go to the resource where you draw your water from. And they have a 12-step process to get it from the source to you, the source, to drink it. 12 steps. That when they go to the river, they go to where the stream of water is, there's 12 things that they have to do before it can be put in this bottle and then ship to your home or you purchase it. So the river and the resource. So the ban on the river affected Nestle's resource. Are you with me so far? So they fought in court and they said, nope, as a council, we're gonna ban you from doing that because we don't think that the resource that is for. The earth should be privatized, Brandy, And also, and this is how the world thinks now, they think of scarcity. They think the supply is going to run out. And what happens is the moment you think that you are limited, the moment you think that your supply is in limits, you now go to scarcity mode. And, And as a believer, if you think that that's how God operates, you limit the ability to tap into the overflow. You, you, you limit that, right? So, so, so when I was talking to Richie, he's like, Rowan, the anointing of God, excuse me, is on the third song. Why do we have to go to song one, song two, song three, just to get to the song that we believe God's presence is on? I said, here's why. Because most people live on fumes. And you need the one, the two, and the three songs to fill them up to the place where they now can believe God truly means what he says when I sing this song. So can you imagine... If we step into God's presence in the overflow, oh. you will experience God in such a way that you will never think poverty again. Because if I go to the source who never runs out, It tells me then that I got all the resources that I need to accomplish what the source told me to do in the first place. So the first thing as a church, the first thing we have to do is when you truly have encountered living water, you never think lack again. And when the thought comes, here's what happens. We stay over here. We got to get back to the source again. And we got to drink from the living water again. Why? Because we're getting low and we're getting on fumes and we can't live on fumes. Can't live on fumes. If there's times that Megan and I and and we're in intense fellowship, guess what? Someone's not drinking from the source anymore. Somebody is thirsty. And the best thing we can do is to go back to the source and drink from the source again and then come back and have our relationship, have our conversation. Because someone's thinking poverty. Someone's thinking lack. And when lack enters your life, it will always destroy you because you live in fear We live in fear. And so we have to know then how do we avoid all of that, okay? How do we avoid all of that? Now watch this now. So you may not be aware, but the Aqua Aqua Ohio, they broke ground on a $5 million upgrade to the Marion Treatment Plant. $5 million, they believe, was necessary to upgrade the current water treatment system That sends water to your homes in Marion County, and so June 2016 is when it's supposed to be completed. And they're gonna they put this in because they felt it was that important that the system that they currently have, even though it's okay, is not up to the standard of which they feel that it is it it is necessary to bring quality water to the homes. So they were willing to take resource five million dollars. To make sure what comes out of the river can go into your body and you can have a quality life. So $5 million compared to your quality life, it's worth it. It's worth it. Okay? If we take a look at that. Now, now, now watch this. Now watch this. So there are three supply sources that we get our, our, our water from. The first one is the Scioto River. The second one is the Little Siota River and then the third thing which I think is interesting is that there are 18 are you ready for this 18 wells buried 18 wells sisters. Oh gosh you're missing that. there are 18 wells that they draw water from to get to you I don't want to get ahead of myself but 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 I think we got more than 18 Holy Ghost filled churches here right let me say that again 18 wells where water is contained that when it's needed to quench the thirst they can draw from it and so you and i are the temple of the holy ghost and if we live in the overflow god can draw from us now And bring to a city, bring to a community that needs living water. Five million dollars to do that. So watch this now. What God wants us to get is the first point I'm going to teach about this. Is when we understand God's rivers and God's resources, you will see wealth from God's perspective. Write that down if you're taking notes. Wealth. So God's rivers and resources speaks of wealth. Speaks of prosperity. It doesn't speak of greed. I'm not talking where you want to consume billions of dollars because there's people who are so wealthy, but they're miserable. They're so wealthy, but they have no satisfaction. Their lives are miserable. That's not God's desire. That's not God's design. He even said, when you enter into the promised land, he says, make sure your heart doesn't forget me so that when you get prosperous, you think it was what you did and it wasn't what I did. He said, I'm giving you homes you didn't build. I'm giving you vineyards you didn't plant. I'm giving you wells you didn't dig. I'm doing all of those. Watch this now. There are people who are building things that God's going to say, thank you for building it. Now, come on, Emily, step on in right now. Come on, there are things that people are constructing, don't know why they got this creativity, don't know why they're building all this kind of stuff. Because God is saying, now if you remain faithful and you know that I'm the source, the moment it's time, you step into something somebody has already built. And you tell people when they see your blessing, if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, I would not inherit this. That's the kind of wealth that God wants us to understand. Why? Because when we as believers have access to wealth, we can change a nation. We can change a nation, okay? And so here is the biblical scripture for that. Go to uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 10 and 14. Genesis chapter 2, verse 10 and 14. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Genesis chapter 2, verse 10 and verse 14. The English Standard Version says this. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden. And there it divided and became four rivers. And it says the first river and it says in this river, it's the one that floats around the whole land of Havil, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is what? Is good. And it Gives these other amazing stones as well it mentions, and this is the second river, uh, and this one flowed over the entire land of Cush, and the third river, the river Tigris, uh, Tigris, I should say, which flows east of Assyria, and the fourth river is the river Euphrates. So in the scriptures now we see God in Genesis, before man even fell, we see now that God says, "Out of Eden flow these four rivers, and these rivers had at the end of it, resources that were necessary, okay? So if God writes this, if God is giving this revelation to Moses, God doesn't change, right? So if God is saying, this is my design, then what God wants us to do is to get back to a place where we understand his rivers and resources and the importance of water. Let me read you from a different translation. This may, I hope this excites you as well, because it did when I read it. It says, a river went out of... And he defined what Eden in this way. He says, the river went out of the place of pleasure to water paradise. So in other words then, Eden was a place of pleasure. This is where God put the man. So God put man in a place of pleasure. He put the man in a place where God designed for him to live and to occupy. And so because he was in a place of pleasure, he was in a wealthy place. So he starts... In a wealthy place and from that wealthy place this resource went out into paradise and it watered the entire world so what God wants us to do is to get to a place of pleasure when we recognize and understand that he is the source so in other words now when you talk to people you don't say um, sorry you need to say this God is the source and He gives the resource So God is the source, but he gives us the resource. We're not the source. God is the source, and we are the resource that God uses to accomplish his will. And when you recognize that, you then say, because I'm in a place of pleasure, the words I speak are wealthy words. Because I'm in a place of pleasure, the things I do reflect the glory of God. Because I'm in a place of pleasure, everything I do reflects the glory of God. Because I'm in a place of pleasure, when people speak to me, my words are seasoned with salt. They are, they are edifying. They are building up. They don't bring gossip because you can't be in a place of pleasure and bring gossip and things that divide. Come on. When you're in a place of pleasure it's the joy of the Lord is your strength. When you're in a place of pleasure you always want to worship and magnify the Lord. When you're in a place of pleasure you've got to tell your boss I've got to take a praise break. Come on somebody. Because there is something bubbling on the inside of me. I just start to think about the goodness of Jesus. And if I do it here you may get nervous. So let me take my praise break and go someplace. Why? Because I'm in a place of pleasure. Come on somebody. When you know that you're in a place a pleasure you know that God is my source and I'm the resource so therefore you realize everything I have belongs to God it's because of what God is doing it God is God is the source so when it comes to giving when it comes to your tithes and your offering it is not an issue of money or the lack of it is an issue of your heart because when you understand that the more I give the more he gives back to me because you're in a place of pleasure you recognize God this belongs to you and you give it knowing that God is so good that you cannot deplete God you can't deplete God and so can you imagine if we all came in this building at 10 a.m. and we knew that we're in a wealthy place, that we're in a place of pleasure, Hallelujah! Come on, somebody. That we know as the praise goes up, more comes. As the praise goes up, more comes. I heard someone preach this one time, and he said the angels it says, "Holy, holy," and it says when the angels bow down. And they come up, they see another reflection of God in his character. And they bow down and they come back up, another reflection of God's character. And they bow down and they come up at another place of God's character. And so the more you go down and the more you come up, you see a dimension of God you've never seen before. And it doesn't matter how long, eternity is not long enough to handle the ability to praise God. You can never, ever, ever, ever get to a place where you're satisfied. You always are thirsting for God because God is a God that is not limited. Come on. Amen. 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 So I know you find yourself in difficult places. I know that. But when you understand that it is a place of pleasure, that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You understand, this is a place of pleasure. This is the place where God abides. This is the place where God tabernacles. The Shekinah glory. The Shekinah glory. Let me teach on that just for a minute. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. He's at the bar. He's he's everywhere. God's presence is everywhere. But his manifested presence is not everywhere. And so because we know God is everywhere, religion continues to thrive. But when you understand his manifested presence, you will receive the supernatural. Supernatural. Because you can go where God omnipresent is and still leave dry. But it is impossible to be in a place of pleasure where God's presence and his manifested Shekinah glory is there to invade your life and you leave saying church was boring. That is a lie from the devil. Come on, somebody. That's a lie from the pit of hell. It is impossible to be in a place of pleasure and leave and say that was a dry service. No, no, no. You are dry. And you can't, give away, you can't give water to your city. Come on. There are 18 wells that supply water to Marion County. And I'm here to tell you, when you recognize that you are the well of which God moves through, you will know that. Oh, I, I see it. I see it. I am so, I'm at the place where I'm like, listen. Heron is going to be washed away. Here's why he's not going to get rid of the drug problem. It's going to be washed away. It's going to be washed away. People who understand being in the place of pleasure, come on. And we're going to say we are, we, we, we are, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's going to, God is going to invade, not for judgment, but to clean. Because if you are crying out for God to move in Marion, good God Almighty, and you recognize you're going to the river because he's going to give you the resource you need, you are going to shout out, God, don't leave Marion. Ooh, I just felt something there. God, don't leave my city. Don't leave my home. You are the source. You are who we need. And it's going to wash right through this city. Mm. God Almighty. See, no, no, no. God didn't come to destroy people's lives in Mary. No, no, no. That's a lie from the pit. No, God came to bring life and life more abundantly. And we're going to believe, God, that he's going to send a wind. He's going to send a movement of water through this city. And it's going to cause people who are thirsty to get to a place where they're drinking from the true source that God has. David says this. He says, you visit the earth and you water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide their grain. For so you have prepared it. You water its forests abundantly, setting its ridges, soften it with showers and bless in its growth. Psalms 65, 9 and 13. Psalms 1 verse 3 is this. So how do we know if you've been spending time at the river? Psalms 1 verse 3 says it this way. That those who are planted by the streams of water, they will yield its fruit in its season. Remember that. It will yield its fruit in its season. In the month of October, we're going to be doing a series on the festivals. On the Old Testament festivals that God told Leviticus 23 that they were supposed to celebrate. There are some rich things in those festivals, you have to understand. We're not entering Pentecost. And here's what I heard from my spirit as I was studying this. God says, say the word harvest. He says, prophesy harvest. Because Pentecost, and this particular feast, we're going to get to it, all speaks of harvest. Because they recognized that October was the final before the rain would come. And they're saying in, in, in the festival of, of tabernacle, the festival of boots, you're going to see when we teach that. I don't have time today how it speaks of harvest because God is the God of wealth. And he wants you to understand how they were thinking as the children of Israel when they recognized he was the source. And he taught them that. And so here it says now that that you will bring forth your fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that you do, you shall what? In all that you do, you shall prosper. In everything you do, he says you're going to prosper. Okay. And Psalms 36 verse verse 8 says this, they feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delight. One translation puts it this way, Psalms 36 verse 8, they shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house. Fatness can also refer to the weight, the glory that comes down, the word kabat, it means heavy. So there are times when you're in God's presence and you know it's manifested. It's because this weight is so heavy you have to bow. It, it, your mind is trying to say stay up, but the glory is so heavy on you that you have to bow. It's the kabat. It's, it's the weightiness of God that's on your life. And that's what there's people, you see, they just got to be like this. God, I, I can't stand in your presence. Why? Because when I get up, I see another dimension of you. And God is saying, I, you got to see me differently. So I've got to put my heaviness on you, so that you, when you get up, can see how different I am. And then I bring you back down again, and you get up and says, Oh, God, you're a good God. Because in your house is the fatness, it's the abundance, it's the fruit, it's the provision that I need. Why? Because, God, you're a good God. You're a good God, he says there. Watch this now. So when you walk in a place of wealth, I gotta hurry, I gotta hurry. You now get to this place of what I call wellness wellness okay wellness speaks of health so there's wealth and now he moves into health and in Ezekiel many of us have read this before if you haven't it's a great book to read Ezekiel chapter 47 and it says that a river flowed from the sanctuary and it went out so ministry is flowing out of the temple not in but out from the temple and so when you live in the overflow the gathering place, what's going to happen is that the river is going to flow out of this place and into the fields. When we get to a position and we get to an understanding of God's goodness and we live in the overflow, it's going to flow out into the city. It's going to flow out to the city. And so in Ezekiel 47, he says, watch this. He says, first when I got it, the water was to my ankles. And then he brought me somewhere else and then it went to my knees. And some people, we stay here, and we're walking with the Lord, and that's all that we are. We're just walking with the Lord. But there's certain people, you're here, and you realize, no, prayer is a priority. I've got to get on my knees. I've got to reflect the goodness of God. I've got to get on my knees. And then people go, and it gets up to their loins. He says, but then he brought me to a river. It was so deep I couldn't walk. I now had to swim in it. I had to be drowned in God's presence because I could no longer stand up. I had to change my position because prosperity consumed me. And so here all of a sudden now, here it is that, that, that Ezekiel now is seeing this. And he says, here's what it represents. He says, it is for the healing. It is for the healing of the nations. It is to bring health. He says the river on its bank, on one side, on the other, will grow all kinds of tree for food. Their leaves will not wither. Remember Psalms 1 verse 3, right? Whatever you do will prosper. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. They will bear each month because the water flows from the sanctuary. Every single month, it says that you will prosper. So, twelve months of the year, every single year, you will prosper because you live in the overflow. You live in the overflow. I shared this before. Remember, babe, when we were when when, when we left uh, uh, Cincinnati, we came back and um, you know, watch God, watch God, and thank you for this couple that, that's here, uh, uh, Kim and, and 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 Pastor Craig. That's so why I call him all the time. I said, Pastor Craig, and he doesn't know you, but i prophesy over his life. Yeah. Amen, somebody. He, he owns um, a car dealership. If you want to get a great car, amen, that's a little plug for you right there. You want to go and, and get a car from him. It's worth the drive. And so we're in Cincinnati, and um, they, they came down. And watch us now. We, we, we were living by the river, believing God. And, and all of a sudden they said, God just told me we need to come down and see you. Like, right? no, we're good, we're good. No, we got to come down. And so they get in the car, all of a sudden the car breaks down. And they're like, oh my goodness. So they go, instead of saying no, they go back and get another car, and, and, and they come. And we connected, and we were talking to Cincinnati, Cincinnati, and I'm like, we're good, man, we're good. Not knowing God wants us to receive a blessing. And so their presence, their presence, because they were living the overflow, caused Meg and I to receive such a blessing That sustained us in our transition from Cincinnati back over here to where we're pastoring this church now. You're missing it. Watch this. So God wanted us here in Marion. We go down to Cincinnati, have an amazing time there, ministering. God says, time for you to move now. Puts in the heart of somebody else who was driving. Car breaks down. Doesn't quit. But says, let me get another vehicle. Prosperity. Goes down now. Gives a word that we needed. We received that word. We come back now. And 12 months of God, where are you? I'm talking going to job and family services in line to get food so we can have a meal. And the enemy wants to think that that was God. Come on, somebody. And so we went and we got it and we would have our meals. And God will provide every single month. And there were times I would walk our apartment and say, God, you've got to provide. I've got two days until we can pay rent. And I'm walking around and saying, God, but you're a good God. You're a good God. You're a good God. Walking, going around, good God. And watch us now. Man, you're getting me to be so transparent. I was last week and now again this week. What's going on here? Mm. So, thank you. So we get to a place now where we just, we ran out. No. Ian, we ran out. I remember we went to talk to the lady, and we're like, you cannot evict us. I can. And I remember we got the letter, and I held the letter like this, and I'm like, babe, my knees are weak. And I said, all I can do is go down. I went down to the manager's office, and I said, listen, we'll we'll get this for you. And I go down to her office with this letter in my hand. And we didn't talk about this. We talked about her daughter. And I was able to minister to her daughter. I have a note that you've got to vacate the apartment. I go down and God says, that wasn't the issue. Talk, talk to her about her daughter. And I minister to her daughter. And obviously, God brought us through that place. And we learned how to trust that God is our source. But let me tell you, the point I'm making is this. After all of that, every single month, God has been good, 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 God has been good. A difference a year can make, baby. A difference a year can make. I'm here to let you know that if the water flows from the temple, it can water those areas that people feel are dry and they're hopeless. And so now, my children... And even in between that, right? So I'm like, okay, babe, I got to get a job. So I, I go to the Y and I volunteer first. And I'm believing God and I'm volunteering. And all of a sudden, it turned into employment. And it's giving me just a little bit over minimum wage. And I'm like, okay, I got to take this job because I got to provide for my family. And I'm, and I'm working this job and I'm, I'm being faithful because God, you're my prosperity. I'm in a place of pleasure. And my situation doesn't look good, but I know that God is good. So every time I'm like, okay, that's not God. Okay, this is God. That's not God. I open the word, it's God. This is God. And I want my children to always know that their dad, when I exit this earth, they will always say, when they walk and look at my casket, they can say, there was a man who loved God. There was a man who loved God and taught us how to love God. That he didn't leave us just insurance, he left us assurance to know that if God is our source, we will leave this planet prosperous. And so I'm there, and I'm working minimum wage, Finally, I, I go to Kroger, and because that's where my faith was at. I go to Kroger and, and I'm working overnights and, and I'm coming home and I'm getting an hour' sleep and I'm going back to the why, and I come home and I'm doing this for a year, but I start seeing an increase in our life. I start seeing an increase in our life, because I'm just, I'm faithful I'm doing. But that's where my faith was at. That's where my level of faith was at. And I'm here to tell you, I don't care how small your faith is, hold on to God's promise. Because where God has us now, oh my goodness, God is so good. He is abundantly blessing us. Amen, somebody. And I'm here as a church. I told our council that we will be a council who will give because God is our source. And I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter the size of our church. We believe that God is bigger than the gathering place. Why? Because from this house, water will flow. From this house water will flow because God is our source and our resource. We will live by the river and God is going to give us resource. Come on, lift your hands right now. Receive the resource of God. Receive his resource. Receive it. Every single month. That's what. Oh, thank you Holy Ghost. Mm. That's why he says, Rowan, prophesy, harvest. It is harvest time. Your children is going to get saved. It's harvest time. It is harvest time in the gathering place. It is no longer a dry season for us. This is a season of living water. Someone shout, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. My God. My God. Let me end with this now. Let me end with this. John chapter 7, it says, in John chapter 7, and the Lord showed me this, and I'm going to launch you out with this. I was like, oh, Jesus. John chapter 7, verse 37 to verse 39. I never saw this until the Lord showed me this. Ooh, good God Almighty. Someone say harvest. Jesus went to all the feasts. He was a devoted, committed Jew. He went to everything. But every time he showed up, he would always bring a revelation of the Father because he lived in the overflow. And what was religious, when Jesus showed up, he would always reveal the relationship that was necessary for that. And so here it is now in John chapter 7. It says, and it begins, on the last day of the feast. On the last day of the feast. (laughs) You see, when you think everything's over, on the last day, (laughs) come on, somebody. That's when Jesus is about to show you abundance. On the last day of the feast. When everything was done. When everything was over. When they were about to go another year. As usual, Jesus says, not this time. I know for years, since the time of Moses, when he gave you this law and this festival, you've been doing it this way, but I'm here now. Right. It's called the festival of tabernacle, which means to dwell, or the festival of boots or the Ingathering. gathering It was that festival. It wasn't Pentecost, he said this. It was at this particular festival, Jesus made his declaration on the last day of that feast. Now, what would happen is that this was an enormous time of joyous celebration. So when I said to you, Isaiah chapter 12, verse 3, from the joy of the well will you draw water of salvation, this was a joyous occasion. This is where now, watch, and someone said this while I was reading, and this was so hilarious, because most churches are filled with ladies more than men, right? And so they said this festival was when the roles were reversed. You had the courts of women, and they built this balcony type thing for the ladies to go up there, and the men would come down, and you would see men who were dancing. They were like, woo, and they were just, I mean, it was like, I'm talking, it was men, not ladies. It was the men who were dancing wow. in the presence of God. It was in this festival that men were dancing. It was, it was men who were dancing, oh, yeah. not their wives, not their girlfriend. It was the men saying, Ask for me in my house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God. It. Oh, yeah. it was men who were dancing. Yeah. Oh, come on, somebody. We got some men up in this place that you know when you encounter God, you're going to be dancing, cutting the rug. Come on, somebody. Because God is so good. God is so good. It was the men who were dancing. And they would light this this pillar, had this bowl with oil, and they would light it, and it was everywhere. It was like these four pillars, and these lights were everywhere. It was a seven-day event. Seven days they would do this thing for. And they would be rejoicing, they would be dancing. One of the rabbis said, if you have never experienced the festival of boots, you have never been to a party. It was a time of celebration in the church. So religion was getting that emotion out of them. Can you imagine having a relationship? What kind of emotion should come out of us? Let me see. If religion can produce that sort of excitement, how much more should we be excited when we have the living water, the word of God? Huh? So Jesus now, he's in this midst and he's he's watching all of this. And there was a part in the festival, some argue it was on the seventh day, But some argue it was on the eighth day. And I believe it was the eighth day because the eighth day represents a new beginning. And so the seven days were complete. And now it was the eighth day. And what happened was throughout the entire seventh day, the priest now, there was about 15 steps. And the priest now would walk up these steps. And they would get a pitcher uh, for water. And they would come down. It's called the Water Libation uh, Festival. Right? So they would get this water. And they would go back down, and they would go to the pool of Salem, the pool of peace, where Jesus spit on the ground water, which became saliva, took it, and put on his face, and go wash in the pool called Sent, the pool called Sent. So he sent him to this pool of healing. They would go to this pool of healing where there was the river and resource. Oh God. And they would draw water from this pool, and they would come up these steps, and they would pour the water outside the altar. And they would keep doing that over again. They would get it, and they would come, and they were doing it come and they were doing it finally on the eighth day as the priest was doing it one more time all of a sudden in the crowd sitting down a voice stands up all who are thirsty (laughs) it wasn't quiet it was a shout the bible says on that day, that last day, that great day, Jesus stood up. Whoever is thirsty. Oh, God. Jesus stopped the religious activity. If anyone thirst, let him come to me and Drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly, out of his heart, will flow rivers of living water. Now, this he said about the spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet, the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus is saying to us, gathering place. No more religion. Amen. You were not birthed on religion. Amen. Amy Simple McPherson was not birthed on religion. Amen. She was radical for her time. She was wrecked wreck for the kingdom. It's time we get Jesus to stand up. It's time... We get Jesus to stand up. Yeah. <laughs> Religion caused him to sit down. But when there's a relationship and there's a people who are thirsty, he'll stand up. Yeah. 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 If anyone thirsts, let him come. And out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Let's get Jesus to stand up. Oh, I felt it right there. Thank you, Holy Ghost. He says, close your Bible now, Rowan. You just did it. No more from me now. Let's get Jesus to stand up. Mm. Wow. Holy Ghost, I have no idea what you're going to do with that. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. first let me ask you the question where are you getting your water from? where are you getting your water from? the second question is this let's stop drinking from the water of religion it has not satisfied us as a matter of fact it's caused us to dry up Any body of water that has no outlet becomes a dead thing. People are going to dead sources. Thinking it's the truth. On the last day, that great day, Jesus stood up and cried. Where are you getting your water from? Make sure you're getting your water from the living water, Jesus Christ. Second thing is this. How many of you are prepared to live in the overflow? That when you leave this place, you walk in a reality of prosperity that will change your city, change your community. And ultimately change this nation. If that's you here and you want to live in the overflow, Jesus says, come. 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 come 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 live in the overflow come live in the overflow come on live in the overflow only you satisfy only you satisfy Only you satisfy